What is up guys, it is Quinn here, and in today's video, I'm gonna be running through my week three running back rankings. Over the last two weeks, I've done both the running back and I think quarterbacks in the same video, but I think moving forward, I'm just gonna run through the running backs in one video, wide receivers in another, and then if you guys have questions about you know this quarterback, this quarterback, this running back, or I mean like this tight end or this tight end, you guys can just drop those down below. I feel like you know the running back and wide receiver ranks are the ones that are probably most important just because everyone typically has one quarterback or one tight end that they go to consistently. So I think that's what we're going to be rolling with going forward. But in this video, we're going to be going through the top 36 running backs, just like a brief look at their matchups. If you guys have any fantasy questions, you know, it could be start sits, it could be waiver wire trade advice. If you drop those down below, I'll make sure to respond to every single person. But let's jump into the rankings. And honestly, I feel like the running back position, especially the top like 12, 13, 14 dudes, it's pretty solidified, but there's also like a lot of red flags all over the place. Overall, the running back production this year has been pretty, pretty brutal. So I think it will improve, but you know, don't get too caught up on if you think a dude, you know, who's ranked five should be ranked three or a guy who's ranked four, you know, should be ranked seven. In reality, all these dudes in the top 12 are starting anyway. And we're going to start it off with Christian McCaffrey at number one. He hasn't had one of those, you know, insane Christian McCaffrey games. He's just been all right so far. I think that'll change coming up. I mean, the usage is still there. It's not like he's getting phased out of his workhorse role. Better days are going to be ahead for CMC. I still believe he has the highest ceiling of any fantasy football running back. So he's at number one. Number two, I have Jonathan Taylor coming off a down game. But I mean, you look at that offense they had with no Michael Pittman, no Alec Pierce. The Colts just looked brutal. Assuming we're getting those dudes back, I still think you can fire up Jonathan Taylor as a high-end RB1. Then at number three, I do feel like this spot could have gone to a few different players. I still went with Saquon Barkley. Obviously, didn't repeat his absolutely insane week one performance, but we can't be expecting that every single week. The usage was still there. He's going up against Dallas, which isn't necessarily a great matchup. We're just going to be betting on the talent here. Saquon Barkley at RB3. Then at RB4, we have DeAndre Swift, another spot that I think could have gone to a few different players. Swift hasn't had like elite volume so far this season, but I mean, he's just so good on the touches he does get. He has that top receiving upside. This Lions offense is definitely outperforming expectations. He's going up against the Vikings this week. I think he's a mid to high end RB1. Then at number five, I actually have Joe Mixon. I think he's a very solid buy low right now if, you know, someone's going to panic after two weeks without getting into the end zone. The usage is totally there. He's getting the monster workload. I feel like him and Leonard Fournette are very, very similar in their current spots. Honestly, they have a ton of similarities, especially the fact that the offenses are underperforming, but both of these units are likely to turn it around, you know, within the next few weeks. Plus this week, he's going up against the Jets. This is a game where I do expect the Bengals to bounce back go ahead early, and then we could see Joe Mixon just racking up the volume on the ground, just kind of closing that one out. Then at number six, I have Dalvin Cook. Rough week two performance for sure, but I mean, that really just applies to the entire Minnesota Vikings offense. We look back to week one, Dalvin Cook had a fantastic workload. It's kind of a trend here we've been seeing where these running backs who've been underperforming, it's really just come down to the fact that they have not gotten into the end zone. Dalvin Cook is one of those guys He has a solid matchup against the Lions this week. I think he'll put together a nice performance. Right after him, I have Austin Eckler. I know some people are a little bit concerned with Austin Eckler after two weeks. To be totally honest with you, I'm a little bit concerned if I drafted him at like third overall, 
because he just doesn't have that elite upside this season. I think it's clear he's not getting the goal line work. He doesn't have this elite workhorse role, but I still think he's totally fine to slot in as a you know mid-tier RB1 play. He will score some touchdowns, right? Like he's going to get uh, receiving touchdowns. He'll have some breakaway runs, but he's definitely not going to be the elite touchdown score he was last year, you know, unless they do drastically kind of shift up the usage here. I mean, I guess it makes sense for the Chargers. They get to rest their top running back, you know, put in some bigger bodied guys on the end zone. But obviously for fantasy, that is tough. This is a game against the Jaguars, similar to the Mixon situation. They could go ahead early, really use Austin Eckler to kind of seal this one up. Number eight, I have Leonard Fournette going up against the Packers. Like I talked about with Joe Mixon, basically same argument here. He has had a monster, monster workload, just hasn't gotten into the end zone. I think people may think Fournette is going to have this massive game because it looks like they're going to be without Evans, potentially Godwin, potentially Julio. I still think he'll be solid, but I actually think that Fournette would be better off with those guys in the lineup. We've seen over the last two weeks when the Bucks have these guys, you know, in and out of the offense, it just doesn't click the same as it did last year. So I think he's probably going to see a lot of volume in this game. The efficiency may not be there, but I mean, I still think he's a great start this week. Then at nine, I have Alvin Kamara, another guy who, you know, had a down week one performance. You're already seeing some people kind of fade off of him. Alvin Kamara is still locked in as a top 12 running back for me. Going up against the Panthers, I think he'll have a nice bounce back game, assuming he plays. Remember, these guys who are like slightly banged up, going to be questionable. I'm basically going to be ranking them at the spot where if they're healthy, good to go, they would be playing. So if we get updated news on Friday, Saturday, saying, you know, Alvin Kamara is going to be limited, James Conner is going to be limited, then we reevaluate. But I feel like it's easier for me to just rank them as if they're healthy, and then we pivot if they are not actually healthy. Then at number 10, I have Derrick Henry, another guy kind of off to a slow start here. I have some level of concern for Derrick Henry, just because this offense as a whole has not been good. The old line does not look good. You know, without A.J. Brown, all the focus is on Derrick Henry here. I see people saying, you know, should I be selling him, all this stuff. I still don't think he's a sell because if you're selling him, you're selling him at a shell of his former price. I think if you were going to sell, you know, you've come up with the idea that you don't like the situation. You wait until he has one of his classic Derrick Henry 150-yard, two-touchdown games, and then you move him. Don't sell him after two down performances. You know, you're just kind of burning the value on him. But I still think he's a top 12 running back this week. Then I have Najee Harris here at number 11. Another guy with two underwhelming weeks to start off. It's definitely a trend here. The volume is still there. He'll be, you know, one week back from that ankle injury. So I like Najee Harris as a back-end RB1. At number 12, I have Nick Chubb going up against the Steelers. Nick Chubb is really one of the only running backs who's had a fantastic start to the season. And the main reason for that is three touchdowns in two games. He definitely draws a tough matchup here against the Steelers. I've talked about this in a few different videos. I think this game is going to be gross. I think it's going to be a grinded out performance between the Steelers and the Browns. Likely low scoring. So I'm not you know, overly optimistic on Nick Chubb here, but it's also probably not going to be a game script where he gets phased out for Kareem Hunt. So some pros and some cons there. Then at 13, I have Javante Williams. It definitely seems like Javante is going to slowly start phasing Melvin Gordon out of the offense. It would be nice if the offense would look better as a unit. That would really bump up Javante Williams' ceiling. But right now, this is where he's going to be sitting. Then at 14, I have Aaron Jones coming off a monster week two performance. You may be wondering why he is not higher. And the reason for that is he is going up against the very tough Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defense. 
think I talked about this in the QB start set, but I think when you hear, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Buccaneers, Packers, you're expecting this massive shootout. You know, the gunslingers are going to be going at it. This could be kind of, I don't want to say low scoring, but I feel like this could be a grind when we're looking at, you know, the Packers offense, which hasn't necessarily clicked. The weapons are obviously lacking. Then you look at the Buccaneers, going to be without Mike Evans, potentially Chris Godwin, potentially Julio Jones. They have issues on the offensive line. I feel like this may be, you know, a little bit more low scoring than we're expecting, but Aaron Jones has a tough matchup, but we still know he's going to be involved. Plus he can get work through the air. So he's, you know, a high end RB2 for me. That leads us into James Conner, another guy dealing with an injury here. Who else did I talk about like that? Uh, It was Alvin Kamara. So James Conner, if he's good to go, you know, 100%, this is where I have him. His workload has been really solid this year. I sound like a broken record, but the workload has been solid. The touchdowns just have not come. I think he scored one in week one. And also this offense just hasn't been clicking. So the efficiency has been lacking, but I'm still very confident in James Conner moving forward. 16, I have David Montgomery. Definitely think this is a great matchup for Montgomery. It's probably one of the only games all season the Bears are going to be favored in going up against the Texans. So that means he's going to be in the game script. Well, to be honest, they were down to the Packers and he was still somehow heavy in the game script. So I guess, you know, they're going to keep handing him the ball no matter what the score is, but it definitely helps if they're ahead or, you know, somewhat in a close competitive matchup. So I like Montgomery here as a high-end RB2. 17, I have Antonio Gibson going up against the Eagles. Tougher matchup. I do think it's possible this Washington offense comes back down to earth, but I definitely think there's a huge fall off from Montgomery to Gibson here. So it's not necessarily like, oh, I love Gibson here at number 17. It's just that I think there's a fall off and Gibson's probably the top option in this next tier. After Gibson, I have AJ Dillon. Dillon would normally be higher in a more standard matchup, but like I talked about for Aaron Jones, this is definitely a tough matchup against the Buccaneers. So he's going to slot in at RB18. I have Josh Jacobs here at 19 going up against the Titans. Jacobs has had a solid workload. It's kind of been similar to the James Conner situation where the workload hasn't translated to efficiency and top production just because the offenses haven't started out super hot. I think this Raiders offense will come around. It could be the game against the Titans that kind of sparks that. So he's going to be my RB19. Then I have CEH coming in at RB20. I think CEH is a very safe back-end RB2 play. Going up against the Colts, he's not going to have crazy volume, but the efficiency is going to be there. He'll have touchdown opportunities on a high-scoring offense. 21, I have Kareem Hunt, another guy who's pretty firmly locked in here as a back-end RB2. He's going to be getting the work behind Nick Chubb going to be getting the majority of that receiving work. So I like him at this spot. Another guy in this tier, I feel like all these dudes are just chunked together. Miles Sanders going up against the commanders. Another dude who's not going to have a huge workload, but he's going to be pretty efficient on a very solid rushing attack with the Eagles. Has looked good through two weeks. So I like Sanders there. Then I've got Jeff Wilson at number 23 going up against the Broncos. Not a great matchup, but I do think Trey Lance getting injured really does help. Uh, Jeff Wilson here, because originally I wasn't super high on Jeff Wilson. I didn't think he was a start last week when Lance was healthy. And the problem was, I'm looking at that offense. They don't really pass to the running backs. And so Jeff Wilson would need to rely on touchdowns to, you know, really be a startable asset. And then I'm looking at this offense and you've got Debo Samuel vulturing carries, especially, you know, near the goal line, the high value touches. You also have Trey Lance vulturing those opportunities. Now it's Jimmy G. You just have to worry about Debo Samuel. So I definitely like Jeff Wilson a lot more, you know, with Jimmy G uh, under center. 
24, I have Ezekiel Elliott. I feel like I could have gone even lower this one. He goes up against the Giants. Just a bad start for Zeke. The problem really just comes from the Dak injury. If Dak was healthy and this was a solid offense, you know, with not a ton of pressure on the run game, Zeke could be giving you decent workload and getting touchdown opportunities. The problem is he doesn't have the receiving work and then they're not scoring touchdowns. So it's definitely hurting Zeke's fantasy usage. I've seen some people talking about selling him. I feel like at this point he's a hold because if you're selling him, you're just going to, you know, unless someone's going to pay, you know, pre, uh, pre-season price tag. But I feel like at this point, you're not going to be able to get much back for him. And then he's probably going to be peaking in, you know, three, four weeks when Dak Prescott gets back. So it may suck if you have him, but I do feel like it's probably best to keep him at this point, unless someone will overpay for the big name. After Zeke, I have Cordero Patterson at 25. There are definitely some concerns here with Patterson, starting off with the fact that he had a 50-50 split of the carries with Tyler Algier, and then the fact that he couldn't really have a solid workload in the receiving game. Drake London went nuclear, so you could say, you know, London's targets go down, Patterson's go up, but then in the same game, Pitts was kind of phased out, so it's like, it's going to be a low-volume passing attack. We've got to support Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I firmly believe those two are better pass catchers than Patterson. So it's like, how big is this role going to be for him? I still think he's a fringe running back too. I think he's startable, but he definitely doesn't have that like week one upside if there's a healthy RB2 behind him. At 26, I have Damian Pierce. He's going up against the Bears. I do normally like to avoid this archetype of running back, a guy who's going to be getting, you know, a carry heavy workload on a bad offense because they just seem like a lock to give you 15 carries for 70 yards, which in terms of real life NFL is pretty solid, but seven fantasy points really isn't going to cut it. They can also get kind of pushed out of the game script if they go down early. But like I talked about with David Montgomery, this is probably going to be one of the only games for the Texans where they're really locked in, you know, in a competitive game. I guess they've done it the last two weeks, but I mean, if we're being realistic here, they're probably going to be getting blown out a decent number of matchups. So I do like Pierce here. I think he's going to have that solid workload on the ground. I think he has a solid opportunity to get into the end zone as well. Then at 27, I have Daryl Henderson, and I really don't know how to evaluate this Rams backfield. After week one, it looked like Akers was just out of the picture, and it looked like Henderson was going to be the guy. Then week two, they go out. I believe they actually gave Akers more opportunities Henderson was more efficient in his touches and got the touchdown. So right now, I do think Henderson is the better option. And I think he does have the ceiling where if you throw him in there, I wouldn't be surprised if he just somehow regained 70% of the backfield. But if you're playing him at RB27 and this turns into a direct 50-50 split again, then he's probably not living up to expectations or maybe they just give Cam Akers the workload. It is tough to trust this Rams backfield, but This is kind of the uh, risk reward we're playing here of having him as a high-end RB3. 28, I have James Robinson. Some people may think Robinson should be higher. And just hear me out here. The reason why I do have him here at RB28, I think this is a bad matchup for James Robinson's role in this offense. He definitely is the RB1. Don't get me wrong. I was in on ETN. I've definitely taken that L so far. ETN has not been a good pick. But going up against the Chargers... I expect the Chargers to probably go up early in this game, and I do still believe the Jaguars view uh, ETN as their receiving back. At worst, probably, it'll be like a 50-50 split of the receiving work with uh, ETN and James Robinson. So I'm just saying this isn't going to be a great game script for James Robinson where he's going to be able to you know, run it out at the end of the game like he did last week against the Colts. 
So I would just temper expectations there with J-Rob. 29 and 30, I have back-to-back Patriots running backs, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. Damian Harris definitely had the fantasy points last week, but I do think the usage and, you know, the snap counts, um, you know, the receiving workload, all of that pointed to Ramondre Stevenson, in my opinion, as the better option moving forward. So they are back-to-back, but I do favor Ramondre here. Then at 31, I have Tony Pollard getting the receiving work in this Cowboys offense, a pretty gross backfield at this point, but it's someone that I do think is actually startable. You know, maybe he's in your flex option, your RB2, you know, on a weaker running back team. I think it's fine. At 32, I do have Travis Etienne. Like I said, if it's not a great, you know, uh, game script for James Robinson, Travis Etienne could be the beneficiary of that. I don't love him as a start, but he's someone where it's like, if you're really desperate, maybe you toss him in there. Then I've got Michael Carter at 33 going up against the Bengals. Not a guy I want in my lineup. You know, this has been a pretty gross split, but that's where he's coming in. 34, Chase Edmonds against the Bills. Unfortunate what this uh, Dolphins backfield has turned into. I actually have Mostert right behind him. It looks like Mostert's going to be getting a lot of the early down work. Edmonds is going to be getting the third down work in an offense that is so concentrated on getting Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle the ball. It's tough to see either of these guys being super confident starts unless they have fantastic matchups like they're going up against the Jets or, you know, another team where you can count on them going up early. So at this point against the Bills, you prefer Edmonds because they may be down, you know, getting some third down opportunities, but don't love either dude this week. And then to wrap up the top 36, I have Brees Hall. Still love the talent, still like him long term, but at this point he's definitely behind Michael Carter. And then three guys who didn't make the uh, list, we have Cam Akers, Devin Singletary, and Melvin Gordon, just guys who were on the fringe and, uh, you know, players who could have slotted in in one of those last spots. But that is going to wrap it up for my top 36 running backs. If you guys enjoyed the video, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. I'll be posting the wide receiver rankings today. And then, like I said at the top, any questions, drop those down below. Thank you guys again, and I'll see you in the next one.